It was mid-August. It was hot. It was the day we were doing the back-to-school blast at Parker Lane United Methodist Church. And I got to the church early. So I was sitting there in my car, listening to NPR like I do, doing a crossword puzzle, just waiting for other people to show up. And there's a woman coming across the lawn. She's coming right from my car. And all of a sudden, I start tensing up. I know you never do this, but I'm starting to play the little script in my head. I don't have one of those bags of grace, you know, with the water bottle and the, uh, the food and the socks and stuff. I don't have that. And, I, and I'm not going to give out money. I'm just not going to do that. And so, I'm, you know, I'm practicing my lines. I'm a pastor. I'm sitting here in the parking lot of United Methodist Church. And, you know, what am I going to tell this woman? She comes right up to my car and walks around it. And on the other side of my car is a big garden that Parker Lane United Methodist Church has. And what does she do? She gets out a water hose. She turns on the water. She starts walking up and down each of the rows of all of those plants. She's pulling weeds. She's picking ripe fruit, putting it in a basket. And she's tending the plants. And out of the desert, (laughs) God will cause blossoms, will bring forth life, will bring forth hope. Uh, there's, there's more than one kind of desert, you know, and there's such a thing as food deserts. I, I looked it up this past week just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Look at this fact. In Austin, 40 out of the 218 census areas are classified as original food deserts by the USDA, meaning that 18% of census areas in Austin are considered to be low income and are located more than a mile away from a supermarket. Much of East Austin, in comparison to the west side of I-35, is a food desert. This is from December 1, 2014. Imagine this, where the food deserts are, in communities where there's poverty and communities of color. And somehow, though, God brings hope, brings blossoms out of the desert, and there are community gardens like at Parker Lane United Methodist Church. I know one of the Weidman girls, uh, she did her senior project here at Westlake High School about uh, making gardens in a box so that people have these gardens just that small where they could grow their own vegetables. There there are ways that uh, new life can come out of the desert. Sometimes corporations get our messages when we start uh, raising our voices. Whole Foods, this is very recently, opens a store in the Chicago food desert. Can we see the picture of all the beautiful Whole Foods there? So, I mean, it, it is good when we advocate on behalf of those who don't have access to, to nutritious food that have to just re- rely upon fast food and um, those Super, not supermarkets, but those just corner stores that have uh, high calorie, very little nutrition involved with them. There's more than one kind of um, desert, though. There's another kind of desert, uh, that of, of loneliness. I remember uh, years ago, I did a continuing education event, and the guy that was leading it was talking about How many of those persons who came into the emergency room had diseases that rooted in loneliness? And again, I looked it up this past week. 
things like heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, depression, uh, obesity, uh, other kinds of, of things that could be directly related to being cut off from other people. There's more than one kind of desert. And then I was listening to NPR this past week, because that's what I do when I drive around. And have you all heard me on the radio, by the way? Several, some of you heard me. I do a little lead in there, about 30 seconds, about traffic in, in Austin. Y'all be listening for me. It's, uh, I'm on, really, 90.5, K-U-T. Okay, so uh, there's more than one kind of desert. And so in this, in this other kind of desert, um, it's about loneliness. But I was listening to NPR, and let's see that slide. And this is what came on NPR. The guy, the, the, there's a change of, of leadership at Starbucks, all right? The uh, chief executive officer is stepping down, and this chief operating officer is stepping up. And anyhow, the, the, it was fascinating what I heard about Starbucks. Um, and let's see this quote here. The, the new CEO was saying this, I think it's not just the coffee, it's the experience. As an example, they're spending about 40 minutes, the average customer, inside the roaster because the experience is a cathedral (laughs) of coffee. Man, that caught my ear. He said, we are the place that stands between work and home. Oh, yeah? I I mean, I'm glad for them. And the the whole report was about a $12 cup of coffee. They were going to go for the... Did y'all know this? They said, we want to be the BMW. <laughs> you know, we want to have the, the, you know, the Lexus. We want to have the Cadillac of coffee here. People just want a $3 cup of coffee. They want a $12 cup of coffee. But he was talking about Starbucks being the cathedral of coffee, a place where people found community to overcome their loneliness. Okay, all right. Church, do we have something to say about that, about this loneliness desert here? Huh? I think so. Uh, Kathy's here, back in the back. She visits some folks who uh, can't get here to worship. She goes to visit them at Corinthia. Does this every month to meet them where they are, not expecting them always to come here or even to Starbucks, but she meets them where they are. We have a number, another member, Nancy, who has lost a lot of her eyesight, can no longer drive herself. You know what she does? She does telecare. She calls some folks who are homebound on the telephone. Last Sunday, we had the Sacrament of Communion here, and you saw people like Mary Lou filling those little boxes here with elements from this table so that this table could become very large and meet people where they are and take the Sacrament of Communion to them. We can bring blossoms of hope out of the desert. We have good news That's what I believe. There's hope for God's people. And then there are literal deserts. I looked this up this past week. Okay, if we could see that slide. Something struck me. 40% of the earth's land mass is considered to be desert or leaning in to desert. 40%, 2 billion people live in this, this region. A lot of it is due to deforestation. I looked at the Amazon basin. In the last 40 years, an area the size of California has been lost to deforestation. Whoa. Other causes are um, overgrazing or improper agriculture. 
I do think humankind has some responsibility here for creating desert. But all the time in this message, right, I'm looking for hope that comes out of the desert. And so I was looking at this. There are some uh, ways that we can minister to it. One of them are windbreaks. Let's see that slide. Oh, did I, did I skip something? Nope. nope. So people are creating windbreaks to reclaim the desert. And then they're, crea- uh, they're creating groves of trees. Yohaba, is that how you say that? Yohaba, did I get it close? J-O-J-A-B-E, okay. Y'all know, okay, all right. So these are, this is a grove of those trees that can thrive actually in the desert. So there can come hope, there can come blossoms out of the desert. This is what the prophet Isaiah is trying to say. He was writing in a time, get this, when Jerusalem was being destroyed or they were trying to create uh, alliances with other countries around them to keep from being destroyed, and it was not working well. It was a time of hopelessness, of danger, of destruction. And yet the prophets, if, we've, if you've been following this sermon series, the prophets in the midst of those deserts are always looking to God for a source of hope, for new life to come out of the desert. And the prophet says it's not going to come as an aid, patch, aid package from Egypt. It's not going to come from the Red Cross from Babylon. It's going to come from the Lord God to turn to the Lord God. Today, you may be struggling. You may be in the midst of some desert. And you may be wondering, where does your hope come from? I would invite you to go into the desert. I was reflecting, preparing for this message this day, and I picked up one of my old history books. It's, it's this fact, this thick, louderette. And something was tickling at my mind, and it was, it was about monasticism. You're saying, what the heck is that? that this, there were people in the middle of the third century AD who were wondering about the state of their souls and about the future for Christianity. Here's direct quotes from this history book. They were worried about the level of morality. <laughs> hmm, sounds kind of relevant, doesn't it? Uh, Their conscience was being pricked by the high demands of the New Testament. There was a disgust with city life. There was dust, crowds, noise, and moral corruption. Anybody identify with this at all? And so there was one of them named Anthony who was attracted to the hermits he saw living in the wilderness. And this is what attracted him. The gifts of graciousness... Freedom from anger, the art of prayer, love, kindness, endurance, meekness. And so he started going out into the desert to deal directly with his Savior, Jesus. There was a story, people came out to him and would learn from his wisdom as he spent all this time in prayer out in the desert And they started writing down his sayings. And this is one of his sayings. That's a gift to you today. Abba Anthony said, I saw the snares the enemy 
had placed in the world. And I said, groaning, what can get us through these snares? And a voice came to me and said, humility. This is why we need to go into the desert today, is to say, Jesus, we can't save ourselves. We need you. We need this community. We, we need to humble ourselves and ask for help. Maybe that's why you're here today. You can't find it anyplace else. And in a culture that's filled with dust and noise and moral corruption, uh, you have come here. You have humbled yourself here. God does bring hope. God does bring blossoms out of the desert. I was visiting with a candidate for ministry recently. This is not Lisa. This is somebody else, somebody you don't know, but is feeling some of the same things that Lisa's feeling. I was visiting with her, and, she's, and I said, you know, so how's it with your soul? And she said, I'm, I'm anxious. <laughs> um, I'm excited. She said, I'm, I'm waiting. I'd love to hear whether I get approved or not. And I said, so it's just like Advent, right? <laughs> she said, yeah, I'm Adventing. <laughs> and this is what we're doing, friends, as we go through this season. We know that everything's not perfect. We know that there's a desert around us. And yet we also know that God brings hope out of the desert. I love what the passage said. God will make a highway there through the desert, and even fools won't get lost. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> I love this. Even fools won't lose their way uh, through this desert, that God brings this kind of hope. So I have one great closing illustration here. It's from the movie Lawrence of Arabia, okay? And so the British are trying to take this city, and, uh, and Lawrence has a word for the officers' club back in Egypt, uh, if we could roll the video clip here, all right? Here! Here! You! And where the hell do you think you're going to, Christopher? <laughs> uh, we are thirsty. Mr. Lawrence, is it? Yes. Are you going to the office bar, sir? Yes. You can't take him in there, sir. What do you think you look like? No, no, you might. No, 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 go, Effendi, go! Get out! You must get out! Get out! We want two large glasses of lemonade. This is a path of British officers. That's all right. We are not particular. Lawrence! Are you off your head? No. Oddly enough, I'm not. Now, look here, Lawrence. Just clear out of here, will you? Come on, Lawrence. Clear Get off. that boy out of here. Oh, oh. We'll have this one out anyway. Clear off. Clear off, sir. Get that boy out of here. Yes, clear off. Being 
Akaba has fallen. <laughs> he rides across the desert to tell the British they don't even know that his ragtag bunch of army of people, these nomads in the wilderness, in the desert, have taken this city. That's the good news. A lot of people don't know that Aqaba has fallen, <laughs> that Jesus has come and is coming, and that there is hope out of the desert. You know each week how I like to end the messages. And this is not the fake news. This is where you smile, because if you've been following the media, there's a lot of fake news. But the good news is this, that God, through Jesus Christ, has brought hope out of the desert. Amen.